Praise the Lord. Yes, amen. Come on, give them some love today. Why don't you take your, um, take your Bibles with me, if you will, and let's go over to Mark. Mark's also the 14th chapter. And this morning's message, um, I kind of touched on it a little bit uh, a few weeks back. Uh, but I just felt like there was so much there, we need to come back and look at it again. And at the conclusion of this message, we'll be partaking of communion, and I'm hoping that you'll see communion in a new light. I, I know many of you understand, and you have great appreciation for the communion of God, but I found that the facets of God, as he allows the light of his spirit to shine, it, it causes so much brilliant light. Of revelation and so my prayer today is that you will walk away knowing what your father has given you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and we look to him as our author and our finisher of our faith I want you to look here in mark 14 and we're gonna start in verse 12 once again thank you for being here with us this morning we are excited to see you and I believe God has great things in store for you amen how many know today God's not mad at you? Uh, God's not put off with you. The Lord is wanting so much for you to enter into that relationship beyond your imagination. Father, we come before you today and we ask for the anointing, Lord, as we are preparing, Father, to break bread. I ask, merciful God, that there would be inspiration that, Lord God, will lead to revelation. Because ultimately, Lord God, we're looking for the manifestation of your son. His disciples said to him, notice his disciples are asking, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? Mm. So he sent two of his disciples and said to them go into the city and a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you there follow him wherever he enters say to the owner of the house the teacher says where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples verse 15 he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready make preparations for us his disciples went out and came into the city and found it as he had told. And they prepared the Passover. In the evening he came with the twelve. As they sat and ate, Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, one of you who is eating with me will betray me. I want you to notice their response. They began to be sorrowful and to say to him one by one, Is it I? Another said, Is it I? He answered them, it is the one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread in the dish with me. The Son of Man indeed goes as it is written concerning him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be, it would have been good for that man if he had never been born. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it, gave it to them, saying, take, eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Truly I say to you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. 
Wow. So, what had taken place here and what we begin to see in the Word is the, as Andrew talked about, the composite drawing uh, in life class today, that we just had etches and sketches of the real that for 1,500 years there was a, a, a ceremony called the Passover. And in that ceremony, it was the, 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 the sketch, if you will. It was a portrait. It was pointing to another day. It was, as we talked about Wednesday night, it was the menu options, but one day you're going to place the order and you're going to be able to enjoy the, uh, the, bow, the, the feast that's brought before you and all that comes with that. But here we see that this was the disciples there, and they grew up as Jewish sons of covenant people of Israel. And so they understood it's, it's Passover. It's, it's Passover. It's time to prepare the Passover lamb. They understood the meaning and the message behind the Passover, where it originated from. And so they understood we got to get the lamb and we've got to slay it. We've, we've got to go get the, the bread that is unleavened, and we've got, to, we've got to prepare it because we've got to have this feast, this meal. Now, understand, church, so often we get kind of mixed up, and we start worshiping the ceremony instead of letting the ceremony lead us to worship. Come on. Sometimes we get so hung up in, in, in the rituals that we lose sight of the relationship that God wants us to have. And so don't get hung up on the, on the ceremony. Don't get hung up on the ritual because that is supposed to lead you to the ultimate worship. So as you look here in the Word, what you see is the disciples, they were accustomed to taking and eating the unleavened bread prepared like the children of Israel were when they left Egyptian bondage, their loins tied up, ready to go. They would eat the unleavened bread and they would eat the, the lamb as a Passover meal. Now they're sitting with the bread, eating with the lamb, as the Passover was pointing to a new day. Now Jesus said, now, what we understand is we partake of communion. We, we know that these are only emblems. They're, they're, there's no power in these and other than the expression or the, the remembrance of what God has done for us. Now, I love, as I've read of late, that the Hebrews, and have a Hebrew mindset of the future, you know what they do? They orient themselves to the past. Now, I'm not telling you to drudge up your past. What I'm saying is their, their mindset was, if I want to know the future, I've got to look to see what God has done. And that's how I fix myself to the future. And if he's done it before, then I know what he's going to do in the future. So, if there was an original Passover, there's going to be a completion of a Passover, there's going to be an ultimate. Come on, are you with me? It's already and not yet, and just tackle that on your own. But what we see here is we're going to look back at what the bread represents in, in, the, in the course of looking at what the bread represents in, 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 in an over, overarching canopy of the Word of God, we're going to draw greater truths of the Word. See, because when John the Baptist was there and he pointed and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
He was pointing back to every Passover, every sacrifice made. He was declaring that he's the one that ultimately will take away all the sins of the entirety of the world through him. Now we see the consummation of what is taking place here, the fulfillment of the ultimate Passover. Jesus said as he was eating with them he took the bread he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to the disciples we'll get into that in just a little bit but I want you to see here the bread he said it's the first day of the unleavened bread the first day of unleavened bread so at the Passover they would eat the unleavened bread and this started for seven days they were to eat unleavened bread anybody know leaven yeast what happens to yeast when you, when, when you put it into a, a dough or you, it, it, it changes, it begins to rise? But, but here, the bread was to be eaten in haste because after 400 years of Egyptian bondage, as a portrait of humanity, 400 years of Egyptian bondage, the Pharaoh, he had nine opportunities to relent, but he didn't, and he wouldn't. And so now, the very thing that he imposed upon the children of Israel and slaying the first, firstborn or slaying their children, now is going to be the price that is paid there against Pharaoh. So don't think that God was cruel in killing the firstborn of, of Egypt because Pharaoh had an opportunity over and over and over again, but he hardened his heart. Now the judgment has come. But see, the protection would come upon the Israelites who slew the lamb and put the blood on the doorpost. And this would start the feast, the Passover. But what I want to look at is the bread. Jesus said, eat the bread, for this is my body. Let me say to you, the bread of life is a bread of liberation. It's a bread of liberation. See, Jesus, the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, over and over, types and shadows and, and, and giving us emblems and symbols uh, throughout the Word of God so that we wouldn't miss the story and we could, we could see it in so many different lights. But hear me today. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. And for the Israelites, they understood what the bread represented because they were prepared as they were eating the Passover lamb. They were eating this bread, and this bread for them represented liberation from bondage. When they partook of the bread, it was a declaration that, look, I am free from the tyranny of an oppressor. Pharaoh was a type of the satanic force that keeps men and women in bondage. But through the sacrifice of the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ and the very bread, we are to feast upon that to understand we are free. We are free. The bread of liberation. I want you to note something there. Now, I don't know if it was because Peter got a little rebuke early on because the Lord was asking them to make sure they understood who do men say that I am? And they were saying, well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're a prophet, and, but Jesus said, who do you say that I am? 
well, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ. You know, I appreciate the fact that when others left because they were offended, they got offended and they left, and Jesus turned to his disciples and he said, you guys going to go to him? They said, where are we going to go? You've got the words of life. <laughs> where else can we go? <laughs> Offend all you want. I, I need the life that comes out of you. I need the saliva that comes out of your mouth that reverses the curse of the ground that causes my eyes to begin to see. I'm so sorry. I'm just trying to draw back from last week. But what we see here is that, see, he was asking his disciples, do you, did you guys get it? Do you understand who I am? That I am the representative of God and I'm the representative of, of you. I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. I am Yeshua. I am Jesus. I am here. God and man have met in the body, in the fullness of the, uh, of the Godhead dwells bodily in me, as Paul would say. But what you really need to know is that you are complete in me. Fathers, are you hearing me? This was a message like, you are complete in me. You are as you ought to be. This is the definition of righteousness. You are as you ought to be in Christ. If you want to know who you are, stop looking in the mirror at yourself and start looking in the mirror of the Word of God, and you will discover who you truly are. And your body parts you were born with, you can be okay with. And your orientation can be okay because you understand that you are made to be the glorious image of the living God. So we see here, there was a response. Because right after this glorious revelation of Peter... The Lord said, okay, I'm going to tell you guys, and I'm going to tell you again, and I'm going to tell you again, but this, I'm going to tell you that I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again. I'm, I'm telling you what's going to happen. Lord, we don't want that to happen. No, Lord, you need to preserve yourself. Peter pulls him aside and begins to counsel him. You don't need to, you don't need to do this. And the Lord recognized the influence that was on Peter. And he said, get thee behind me, Satan, for your savor is not the things of God. I didn't come to preserve myself. I come to preserve all of humanity, past, present, and future. I've come to bring an offering of sacrifice that is acceptable to the Father. I come to bring forth the sons and daughters of faith, and I will not be stopped by some counsel of self-preservation. I don't know if maybe their response was because Peter got a pop on the top of his head, so to speak. But the Lord said, "One of you are going to you're eating you're eating this bread of liberation, and you're feasting upon the lamb with me, uh, the uh, the sacrificial lamb. But but one of you you're going to you're going to betray me." I want you to notice there, every one of them felt an overwhelming sense of guilt. 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 Now, what we need to understand about the disciples is they were not born again yet. 
In other words, they, they, they were still in, a, in an old covenant paradigm. They were still practicing the rituals. They were still going through the ceremonial process, but they were not born again as yet. But what we see as they were gathered there, that there was, an, there was a sense of a, of a guilt sin consciousness that was, was awakened in them or was, let me say it wasn't awakened it was relevant it was there with them in the very moment see they lived and I love what E.W. Kenyon, his definition of righteousness is the ability to stand in the God's presence. Are you hearing me? It is the ability. It is not only the availability, but it is the ability to stand in God's presence without the sense of guilt or inferiority. Your And my insecurity is not the new humility. Come on. See, they were there, and every one of them felt the sting of his words because they felt like they did not measure up. They they responded out of insecurity. Did I do it? Did I do it? Is it me? Am I the one going to fail? Is is the Lord talking about my failure that I've had already? We've been together for three years. He knows how weak I am. He knows I can't measure up. He knows that I'll never make it in. Lord, what are we going to do? And so the guilt and inferiority was, folks, understand, it's the breeding ground for insecurity. It's the breeding ground for insecurity. It's that sense of guilt and that sense of inferiority. I don't measure up because what I've done, what I've done will never allow me to measure up. And so I've got to work harder so that I can look smarter so that people will understand who I am because I'm going to reach this pinnacle of success. Well, the things that I do. Insecurity is fear at its finest. Did you hear me? Insecurity is fear at its finest. Fear that has enveloped an individual and has directed their inner thoughts, their inward thoughts. See, insecurity, can I just bull it down? We're going to get into the, the really liberating stuff in just a moment, but we got to know where we're at, amen? Insecurity, see, they're, they're partaking a meal with the Son of God, the Passover lamb, himself sitting there in their midst. And their focus goes to themselves. I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty. I'm going to fail again. I'm going I'm to frustrate the work of God. I'm going to fail again. See, what happens, and this is the sad reality about insecurity. Insecurity takes self too seriously and doesn't take others serious enough. Insecurity takes self too seriously and does not see others serious enough. 
In other words, you walk in the room and you are more concerned with how people are going to affect you, if somebody's going to get something over on you, if you don't look a certain way. So your focus is not outward, your focus is inward. So that insecurity is always puffing self up to be far more important than self should be, where our focus shouldn't be upon ourselves and our performance. Our focus should be upon reflecting the image of the living God because he's the one living on the inside of us and we have missed out on so much harvest because we're so interested in assuring the validation of me. I don't know if I could express that any more passionately. But it's a trap we've all fallen into. When you are called to a task and then you're more concerned about how you look in that task instead of focusing on the ones you should be ministering to. Wondering if somebody's going to get something over on you. Wondering what they're going to think about you. Wondering if, if I say this or say that, it's going to... I'm not telling you not to govern your words and I'm not telling you those kinds of things. I think you... This is a smart congregation. You know. You know. Amen? But we look here at the bread. We're going to eat it in haste because we ain't staying here anymore. (laughs) Are you hearing me? I want you to get your loins girt about. I want you to get that unleavened bread. We're not going to wait on it to rise. We're not going to wait on it to affect us anymore because we're we're not just going to eat it today. We're going to eat it tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day for seven days. All of my journey, I'm going to eat this bread of liberation. And every time you partake, see, they weren't eating leavened bread at the Lord's Supper. They were eating unleavened bread. So that tells me, and we're going to take these these wafers that haven't risen, they don't have any seasoning on them, and, and we're going to eat those because they're unleavened bread as we understand that this is a remembrance of what God has done. He's liberated us because he doesn't want you to spend one more day in the camp of guilt and inferiority and camp there anymore in insecurity as a sinner. You know what sin means? It means you've lost your mind. <laughs> Literally, look it up in the Greek. And you will discover sin means one who has lost themselves. They have lost their mind. We live in a world of lunacy. We live in a world of people around that have done what? They have lost the image. They've lost Jesus. They've lost who they are supposed to be. Jesus came. So, so. To deliver, to set us free, to heal us, to bring us into a place of safety. There are folks, right, it doesn't rise and fall upon you anymore. It's God in you. It's the display, Devin, of his glory and his grace. It is the power, Tommy, of the mercy of God flowing through you. Who are you? You are Jesus in the flesh. My goodness, that sounds like good news. This bread that we partake of is a bread of liberation. I'm sorry, guys. They didn't put the clock up there. So I don't know what time it is. 
oops. As my two-year-old granddaughter would say, shoot, gosh dang. So, what we see is Jesus said, take, this is my body broken for you. I've liberated you. Fear, frustration, sin. I'm not just going to liberate you. I'm going I'm to heal you. And then I'm going to bring you to a safe place. I'm going to bring you into myself, and I'm going to put myself in you. I'm going to make you righteous by declaring you righteous, and then I'm going I'm to impart my righteousness to you. You couldn't do it yourself, but I, I've, I've done it for you. This is my body. This, this bread that you eat, this is representing my body. And every time you eat it, you've got to know you're liberated. Now, there's another reference of bread as we look back to know the, 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 the fullness of God. We look back and we see that in the wilderness, once they came out, they were, they were crying out because they were hungry. They were hungry. Some of you are like, get that clock up there because I'm hungry too. <laughs> uh, they were hungry. There's some, there some donuts right over here. Devin sitting right by them, and they were for the babies. So if you take one, I don't mind. I don't mind. I understand. But what we see is that in the wilderness, there was, there was no, nothing to eat. Did God miss out on what was going on there that day? Did he not know? He brought them out of bondage and going to starve them to death in the wilderness? No, the Lord had a plan. They did not require their griping. Sometimes we think the gripe that's in us is what provokes the hand of God. If I complain enough and I call it prayer, oh, you messed me up by putting that clock up there now. I thought I had a lot less time. So, but I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. So, what happened? <laughs> I understand your complaining and griping is not real, true, heartfelt. Do you like to talk to somebody who's complaining all the time? Do, do you want to listen to a griper? <laughs> do you want a scoffer always sitting in the room with you, a, a naysayer and a negative Ned and, and, a, and, a, and a sorrowful Sally? Come on, if those are your names, I'm so sorry. But anyway, it, do you want to sit in that room constantly complaining? No, I believe the Lord had a plan long before. The Lord said, you're going to get up tomorrow and there's going to be some little things on the ground and you're going to call it, uh, and they called it manna, which is, what is this? What is this? What is it? Manna. I know it's manna. Manna is, what is it? What is it? It's manna. What do you do with it? Well, it tastes like coriander seed and you gather it up and you work it and you process it and you turn it into dough and you put it on the fire and it becomes bread. And you eat it. So now that bread of unleavened bread of the Passover is bread of liberation and now this is bread of life. Now that was the plan God had in place because he was taking them on a journey out of bondage. You're going to make your journey through the wilderness and you're going to step over into the place of promise that God hadn't planned for them to go to. And so on that journey there every day they were together that that bread, that that manna, that what is it? What is it? 
What is this Son of Man that you speak of? What is this glorious Savior that you speak of this day? What is this bread of life? Let me tell you, what is is a who is, and his name is Jesus. And he's the one that sustains you. So every time we partake of the bread of life, we understand that all the nourishment, take, eat, this is my body, which was broken for you. And when we ingest the fullness of the complete work of Christ. It is the very light that becomes life or the life that becomes the light within us. Are you hearing me? See, there was an argument as Jesus was feeding. I love the parallels in the Word of God, don't you? We see the Passover there as it originated from Egypt, and now we have the fulfillment of the Passover in the upper room. But now we've got the, we've got the children in the wilderness, and now we've got 5,000 people gathered in the wilderness. But in this wilderness, Jesus takes bread and fish, feeds the multitude. We'll get into that in just a minute. And then they come back and the old stinking Pharisees can't see anything but religion and law and law and religion and religion and law and you didn't you healed the guy on the Sabbath you're a devil you fed the multitude and, and our Moses gave us that bread in the wilderness and Jesus said oh no 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 the law didn't give you that bread of provision that the Torah, the instruction was to lead you to Christ, but you don't have life outside of Christ. It was not Moses. Rituals of doing right, being right, working harder, working harder, working harder, that brought you to life. No, my Father is the one who gave you that bread. And that bread is a representation that bread is a representation. You came to me hungry, and I fed you. You came to me weary, and I clothed you. You came to me thirsty, and I gave you water. You came to me broken, and I healed you. You came to me as refuge, and I brought you to safety. Let me tell you, the, the law did not give you the sustaining of life, but who gave you the sustaining of life? It was the bread, and that manna represents me, Jesus was saying. I am the bread of life. That was me. I'm the one who's come down from the Father. He gave you a physical picture, but now there's a spiritual reality. We're not looking at the drawings anymore. We're not looking at the blueprints. Come on, the house is complete. Step into the door, which is me, and you will live and move and have your being. Now, I want to show you one other parallel, and because of time, we're going to start to close. Before I do that, though, before I do that, oh, they took the, they took the bread, and they, they, get, they get a measure of it, and they put it in a container, and they, they, they stuck it where? Ark of the Covenant. Oh, we're going to talk about that again. But now so that God could, 
continue as we look at the bread. We see it the, uh, the, the bread being Christ is the bread of liberation. We see the bread of Christ because of his sacrifice and his, 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 his perfect sacrifice. We now have the bread of life. And now we've got the, we've got the, the table in the, inside the, the, the holy place of God. Not the holies of holies, but in the sanctuary, there's a, there is the table of showbread. The table of showbread would would have twelve loaves on it, and each Sabbath those things would be they would be traded out. If you don't know, there were twelve tribes, one bread for each tribe as it represented. But we see here in the in the showbread that Leviticus calls it the, the table of pure gold before God. Leviticus twenty six and six, gold is a is a symbol in a in a metal. Wouldn't you like to have some gold? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like hard to obtain and very expensive. We call it pavement in heaven. But anyway, you look here, and it's a. It, it, but gold represents the fact that it is. A, it is something extreme value that's hard to obtain. And then you see in Ezekiel, the table is called the altar. Because the bread was offered to God, but the beautiful thing was, uh, it was also eaten by the priest. And then in Numbers. Numbers 4 and 7, the table is called the bread of presence. The bread of presence. The loaves are called the bread, in Hebrew, the bread of face. Because this bread, God says, is before me, literally to my face. More to the point, in my face. Now, I know we use that as very negative. Hey, they got up in my face. Hey, won't you get out of my face? But see, it's got a positive side on when you come to the house of God. Why the face? Bread of presence. Bread of presence. Because Jesus himself declared, this is eternal life, that you may know the Father. But see, the, the priest would consume the holy bread. The holy bread. Thus they were consuming sanctified sanctification of that bread. The priest, every week, would take that bread and they would break it and they would eat it because they were sanctified. They were declared holy before God. Jesus said, take eat. This is my body. My body is what sanctifies you. Consume. And you're going to bless that to the sanctify. But you're not going to put something in your, in your mouth that you don't trust. You're going to go to a restaurant you trust. We go to Puebla, Mexico, and there's some restaurants that you don't, we, we're, we're, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. We go to Africa and they say, don't eat off the street. <laughs> okay, don't tell me twice. <laughs> Told a bunch of guys, don't eat the crickets. Don't eat them. They came back from the market carrying a bag of crickets. Okay, this dysentery is all on you. Literally, dysentery. Some of them for a long, long time. <laughs> so if you go on a missions trips and we say, don't eat it, don't eat it. Don't eat it. They're... We're way off, weren't we? 
But you're going to go in and you're going to sit down and they're going to bring the plate out. And probably not until this moment that you even thought about where that food came from. But, but that food didn't originate there. It was brought in uh, by a freezer truck. <laughs> and it was prepared somewhere else in a, in a, in a factory or a, or, or a warehouse, wherever. And then before that, it was on a farm somewhere and somebody gathered it up. But you're not going to worry about the process. Take it and you're going to eat it because you're in full agreement. Now it's time, church, that we as the body of Christ come into full agreement with the completed work of Jesus. And as we take that and we consume the word, we consume Jesus, we say, Lord, what you say I am, I am. And what you say I will do, I will do. And what you say I will be, I will be. And I'm not going to be what I was before. I'm going to be what you declare me to be today. I am in right standing with you. I am as I ought to be in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to look and I'm going to recognize when insecurity is trying to rise up, when I start focusing upon myself and I think, oh my God, what's going to happen to me? Oh, I'm going to be crushed under the, under the pains of all of the, all of the scrutiny. You're going to say, no, 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 no. That's not who I am. I am the boldness of the living God. I am the righteousness in Christ Jesus. I will. Because God declared the bread holy, thus he let them partake because they were separated as holy. Mm. Mm. My last point, my last point. You got the feeding of a multitude in the wilderness and now you've got 5,000 there. And the disciples are like, let's, let's send them away. Somebody came up with a bright idea Offer up a boy's sack lunch with fish and bread. So, as they're there, the Lord takes this, and you can find this in Matthew 14, verse 19. The Bible tells us that He took what they had, they brought the bread, they brought the bread to Him, He blessed it, He broke it, and He gave it back to them. They carried it to the multitude. And they fed the multitude and took up what was remaining far in excess in what they gave away. Now that's beautiful in itself. But then we see Jesus do the very same thing at the Lord's Supper. He took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it back to the disciples. Can anybody see with me mission in what I've just stated to you? What are we as the body of Christ? What is our commission? It is to go and tell. It is to intercede, reconcile, but it is to consume the completed, liberating, life-giving, sanctified bread of life and we are to receive it as David did when he walked into and reached out and grabbed something that was not legal for him to have. He took the bread, he ate the bread, and then he gave the bread to those that were with him. What are we to do? We are to take the bread of life. We are to eat the bread of life. We are to come in full agreement with it. And then we're going to give to the multitude. And what you will discover is the message of the gospel 
gospel of Jesus Christ, the true message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, declaring to individuals, your sins have been forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Now accept Christ, the bread of life, that you may be who you're supposed to be, not what the world has defined you to be. You are to be who you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be Jesus walking on the earth. See, this changes everything. This message of righteousness, I believe, is the absolute most important message of the church in this hour. That we are divinely, godly approved in Christ. As I've told you, truth won't set you free. See, I just told you truth. Believing the truth. Believing the truth that you are as you ought to be in Christ. And your faith, your faith, it's not in you. Not so you can have some license to go do what you want to do. That is a profane message so that you can step into the relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and live your life as an imager and a king's child and a royal priest and a holy nation. And now, it's a lot better news to go tell. But see, if we don't understand the message, how can we deliver the message? We are his chosen people. Humanity. God has graciously, lovingly, passionately, purposely brought us back into relationship with him. Alleviating all of the sin debt that was against us. And I am going to close with this. Wednesday night, the Lord gave me an example just in the midst of the message, and I thought it was great, and I think you need to hear it today. I had a credit card, Capital One, because of the cash rewards that come forth. <laughs> you have to wait a year to get them. What's in your wallet? So I opened up my credit card account, and I looked at it, and there was somebody taking upon themselves to charge $550 to AT&T three times. I'm like, well, that's, what is this? So I let it a day or two, and it went from pending to charge. So I called security services, and I said, there were charges. I've got debt that I didn't incur. This is not my debt. I said, don't worry, don't think one other thing about it. We're going to credit your card immediately. We're going to investigate, and we'll take care of it. And I said, when's this going to? Don't worry about it. We will take care of it. These are the exact words of the letter. Don't worry about it. I said, hey, just leave it to us. Everything is done. I thought, cool. And guess what? They took care of it. See, what happens in the body of Christ is we have all this debt that's been forgiven. 
We have the lies spoken about us that we're trying to outlive, outrun, and outdo. We have this insecurity that tells us you're going to have to prop yourself up, protect yourself, make sure you don't ever get hurt again, make sure you wall yourself in really tight and keep that door closed and lock it and make sure nobody can get in. But the sad sad thing is, is you'll never get out and you'll always be held up in this cage and you'll always be looking out that watchtower wondering all you need to do is call security services every time that that lie comes about and say, Father, 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 there's something here that, that's on my account that I feel in my heart. What, what do you say, Father? And he says to you, don't worry about it. I've already taken care of it. It's already credited to your account. Just go ahead and, and just live in peace. Is that good? That must come from God because only good things come from the Lord. Let's see, if we keep trying to if we keep trying to pay for a debt that's already been paid, what in the world? Which we keep trying to measure up, and we've already been measured up. We've already been filled up. I don't know about you, but I I certainly think God's plan for me is much better than my plan for me. Way, way better. Jesus said, this is my body, just broken for you. My wife has come across a revelation, a bridal identity. She uses and talks about Esther, how that she over, Esther overcame the enemy with a banquet, with a banquet. She overcame her enemy with a banquet. The disciples are sitting in a banquet with Jesus. He's going to go fight the battle. He's going to go destroy your enemies. He's going to win the war when he rises on that third day. How do we overcome? By the blood of the Lamb the word of our testimony because we love not our lives unto death and we stop trying to pay our own debts and we just accept the debt that's already been paid I want you to stand with me if you will right there where you're at this is not listen to me this is not the body of Christ this represents don't get hung up on the ritual. Don't worship the ritual. Let it lead you to worship. This, I got some extras down there for you guys. I should ask, has anybody, anybody not received the communion, but you would like to partake of communion? Just raise your hand. Anybody right over here? Right over here? Right over there? Right over there? Right over here? My apologies, guys. I should have asked that ahead of time. Anybody up top? Anybody up top? You're good? I've got two thumbs up. Thank you, Andrew. My Lord, is that focus, huh? I see a beautiful bunch of people in here. Come on, if, you bear, if that bears witness with you, just say amen. Come on. Wow. Okay, anyone else? Anyone else? 
But Angel? Pastor Angel, you good? Uh, you got to raise your hand. You did? <laughs> Ten times. It's the 11th time that counts, okay? This is a reminder of the completed work of Christ. The bread of liberation, the bread of life, the bread of sanctification. And we may partake of that as a remembrance. It brings revelation to our heart and life to know Christ has done. Father, we come before you today, and Lord, we bless. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the sacrifice that is complete. Lord, there are those that are fighting against fear, against guilt. I feel an overwhelming sense of inferiority, insecurity. They want to be released from this cage called self. Stop being dictated in their life by the brokenness of the reminders of failures. Father, we understand that all of our sins have been forgiven, but we also understand that we have to accept the sacrifice in order for the forgiveness to empower us. I pray as we partake of this bread today, we do so remembering what you have done. And Father, I'm asking today that there will be a breaking in the interior cages of your people today. That we may be liberated, Lord God. Understand the liberation in Jesus' name. Let us eat. I'm working on a message that I'll preach one day. But the sacrifice in the Hebrew was called Corban. Corban. And I know in the New Testament it's almost a, the Pharisees had made a negative response to Corban sacrifice. But what the true meaning of Corban sacrifice meant, it meant that it was to draw close. Draw you close. So those that would go to the, they would go to the, the tabernacle or to the temple and they would offer sacrifice, they could not go into the sanctuary of the holies of holies. But symbolically, that blood that they offered through that innocent sacrifice brought them into, brought them into the inner sanctuary of God. But see, Jesus came. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do more than that. Through my blood sacrifice, you won't have to stand on the outer court and look in anymore. 
I'm going to step into your inner court. I'm going to bring you close to me and I'm going to be close to you. I'm canceling the distance by my blood. God wants to have a relationship with you more than you can imagine. Read John 17. Jesus says in his priestly prayer, this is eternal life that you may know the Father. God has brought you near through his blood. It's about a relationship. Father, we thank you for the what this cup represents. It is a remembrance of you drawing us near to your heart. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for this cup. Thank you for your shed blood, for Lord, that removes every bit of guilt, every bit of shame, and causes me to be accepted in the beloved. Thank you, Jesus, for your righteousness that you have bestowed upon us. We thank you for this cup. And everyone said amen. 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 Let us drink. Could you in your own way right now just begin to thank God? Just begin to magnify him. Merciful God, I pray that, Lord, as we leave this house today, Lord, we will do so with the knowledge, Lord God, how much you truly love us how much Lord God you truly Lord God desire a relationship with us let fear and doubt and unbelief Lord melt Father at this time Jesus name come on and praise him give him praise today praise the Lord I want to say welcome to all of our guests today. I hope you received a, a gift bag. And if you didn't, um, I know the guys told us we, we might have run out this morning. We'll have one for you next week. That'll give you a reason to come back. But we just want to say we are so grateful that you're here. If you hadn't had an opportunity and you'd like to connect or more information on the church, would you fill out a connect card and, and uh, we'll take those from you from in the back or you could drop them in the offering receptacle. We just want you to know we are glad that you are here. You are an answer to prayer. We've asked the Lord that he would bring you in so that you could receive. And so we don't take your visit lightly. We pray that God met your needs and we want to continue. We want to get to know you better. So thank you for being here today. One quick announcement. So I'm going to relieve you, uh, Pastor Ryan. Uh, there's going to be a wedding shower today. Uh, my family and I would like to welcome you to come and join uh, in a wedding shower of my little boo-boo here, Jacob Sanders and uh, his beautiful bride to be, Jillian, is going to be at four o'clock today. And um, we appreciate you being here. And uh, all that wants to come out are welcome. It'll be at four o'clock over in the FLC. I'm going to ask Pastor Angel if he'll come and dismiss us this morning in a word of prayer. God bless you. We appreciate you. Have a great rest of the day. And uh, many of you will we'll see today at four. God bless. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for this service. Thank you, Lord. Just raise your hands. Give thanks to God. Thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus. We give you praise and glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this fellowship. Thank you, Lord, for this service. Thank you, Lord, for the communion and the edification and the exhortation. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. We are dismissed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.